0: A quick program note before today's episode, I'm hosting a free live webinar at multiple times and days this week of January 16th, 2017 for everyone in the Coaching for Leaders community. Be sure to get details and how you can register free at the end of today's episode. But before that, an important conversation today on how to support military veterans in your workplace. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 280. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And if you've been listening to the show for a bit, you may recall a couple of months ago on a past Q&A episode, I mentioned that someone had written in with a question regarding how do we do a better job in the organizations that we work in, and as leaders in serving veterans, and that is something. When I saw that, uh, when I saw that message, I realized that that would be a fabulous opportunity to have an entire episode devoted to that. I think most of us are really excited and wanting to do as much as we can to serve the veterans that we work alongside with in organizations, and also those that we lead. And I'm really thrilled today to be able to welcome a guest who has an expertise in serving veterans and is going to really help us to get even more language actions and perspective that will help us to serve veterans more effectively and my guest today is Eugenia Weiss she is a clinical associate professor at the University of Southern California's Suzanne Dorak Peck School of Social Work she is a licensed clinical social worker and has maintained a private practice for 18 years working with military personnel and their families as well as working in community mental health and administration. And she is the co author of the book, The Civilian Lives of U.S. Veterans Issues and Identities, and is also an author on the book, Supporting Veterans in Higher Education A Primer for Administrators, Faculty, and Advisors. Eugenia, welcome to Coaching for Leaders.
1: Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. I appreciate the invitation.
0: I am so glad for you taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, This is such an important topic, Eugenia, as you've dedicated your career to serving veterans on and, and know so well. And one of the things that struck me when I was reviewing your writing is the description of your book. And the description reads, this book looks at life after the military, considering the dual conundrum of a population benefiting from the perks of their duty yet continuing to deal with trauma resulting from their service, and a former serviceman and servicewomen trying to fit in to civilian life in a system designed to keep them separate. And when I read that, I, I really zeroed in on the word separate. And I was wondering if you could tell us more about the separation.
1: Okay, well, first, uh, let me clarify that the books that you mentioned are, are co-edited books. Uh, they're not authored books.
0: Just oh, thank make that you.
1: clarification for thank the you. audience. Thank you. As far as the separation, I think you can think about it all in terms of military culture and how military culture and civilian culture are so different and so separate. The idea is that uh, in military culture, there is, you know, a sense of indoctrination, you know, into a way of being, in a way of life, in a way of behaving and working with a unique set of values, standards, morals, that is very distinct from societal values or or ways of being, Um, in a sense, uh, thinking about worldviews, just being very different. And so uh, once a person is, you know, indoctrinated into that kind of culture and way of being, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to make the transition then uh, back into civilian life that can be uh, very much um, different. And what I mean by that is oftentimes um, uh, unstructured and uh, very unpredictable, inconsistent, where it can be a little bit difficult, you know, to navigate, you know, the two sort of worlds or cultures per se, and I think that this is um, maybe an area that the audience might be interested in, in terms of, you know, how do we help uh, veterans, you know, better integrate into civilian society, particularly after they've been through uh, combat uh, experiences or combat-related deployments, uh, which we've seen in the last, you know, 12 years and more, uh, although the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan in terms of the U.S. involvement uh, have been officially over, we're now just beginning to see some of the repercussions um, of our involvement in the Middle East um, in terms of you know, a lot of service members um, coming back and having to uh, sort of renegotiate and find their ways through you know, civilian society, particularly if they're coming back with any kind of uh, war-related injuries. I want to emphasize that not every service member who has been through combat uh, will have PTSD. That is something that that oftentimes I think as a society we tend to stereotype that combat veterans will, you know, somehow be marked, you know, for life in terms of a post-traumatic stress type of injury or suffer from some sort of mental disorder, um, and that is not the case. Um, The statistics point to about 15 to 30% coming back with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So I think that that's something to keep in mind that the majority uh, of service members do transition back and reintegrate um, successfully uh, back into society, civilian society. So, I think that that's important because oftentimes there's this sense that you know particularly negative stereotypes that are portrayed in the media or in television that you know all combat veterans are somehow um damaged and uh and thus wouldn't make very good employees or workers. Well, it's absolutely the opposite of that uh in my opinion. um I think that they make um wonderful uh wonderful employees and leaders because. Um, They come from a a mindset that trains them um, to not only be, you know, excellent followers and be respectful of others and be very timely and orderly and um, understand uh, what it is to work in a unit, to work with other people. So highly developed, um, you know, interpersonal skills in terms of, you know, being able to um, be there for their fellow service members their battle buddies, and then bringing back, you know, into the workplace in terms of being able to work in a team um, and also having an appreciation and respect for structure and authority. So I just wanted to highlight some of that because I know that they bring in these unique skills, talents, and abilities um, that are often downplayed or not recognized,
0: I so appreciate you saying that. I've had the privilege in my career a little bit to work with some military organizations and and organizations that serve the military, and it is some of the best some of the best leadership development is done within the military, at least here in the U.S. Uh, of programs. And so there's so many strengths that our veterans do bring back into the civilian workforce. And uh, and and to go even further on what you were saying, I, I'm wondering if you could tell us about. Some of the and, and of course, we should say, and I hopefully the, everyone appreciates that you know every situation is different, but I, I also know that there are some broad brushstrokes and some patterns that tend to emerge. I'm wondering if you could tell us about some of the patterns you tend to see with veterans and their families as they transition back from active duty into civilian life and, and what tends to happen in the workplace and also what kinds of things they tend to navigate in their home lives too.
1: Well, thank you, Dave. And I also appreciated your comment about uh, looking at individual differences rather than, you know, making uh, broad statements and generalities and generalizations, I mean. Um, So uh, with that being said, so every individual is unique. um, So it's, you know, very hard to sort of, um, you know, typecast, um, you know, that every veteran will be experiencing um, something along the lines. But it can be expected that there is a period of transition Uh, A period of adjustment. Uh, And I would say that that adjustment really depends on on the person in terms of how long it would take and also what that looks like for that individual. But it's not uncommon to see someone go through uh, a transition or what we call, you know, sort of an adjustment phase, maybe a year, two years, you know, post active duty service, um, you know, particularly if they've seen um, combat. So, um, given that sort of time frame, and then, and, then, and it is very general because some folks could, you know, certainly sort of reintegrate, you know, much quicker, maybe in a couple of months or less, or some folks might take a little longer. So it really depends on the individual. But oftentimes what happens is that there hasn't been a real downtime between being deployed, let's say, and being in a in a combat type of situation and then being back home. You know, very, very different to what we've seen, you know, in other, in previous wars uh, when, you know, our soldiers, and I use that word um, generically, but I mean service members uh, of all branches, um, you know, were coming home on, on ships and had time to sort of um, uh, digest and process, um, you know, their experiences, uh, whereas now they're back home within, let's say, 48 hours. And that transition, I think, can be, can be very difficult
0: indeed uh, so many so much complexity and a lot of variables and I, I know there are many organizations that if not have a policy explicitly certainly are supportive of hiring veterans and helping them to make that transition and I suspect that along with that there also are some concerns about providing support um, and 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 how to help a veteran transition especially with the example you just mentioned of someone who's this is their first job coming back from active duty. And I, I'm wondering, is there things that organizations should be concerned about? And, and even more so the concern of just, my sense is there's a lot of leaders that want to help and would want to support, but don't really know what to do in that situation. And I'm just wondering if there are any best practices for for either party to really support that transition, especially at the organizational level, knowing that there's someone who's just coming in who's been on active duty.
1: Well, I think uh being very good listeners and I'm sure that your leaders are already doing this and uh also being able to you know ask ask questions, feeling free to be able to ask well you know tell me tell me about your life experiences, tell me about you know what 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 it was like, and you know wherever you were deployed, tell me about your service and and how are you doing and just you know maintaining a very um you know sort of positive framework and being able to to talk and listen i mean i think that those are just some basic you know human skills and qualities and not making assumptions or um or going into you know delving into negative stereotypes i think it's really important to keep an open mind and and also go about it like you would with any employee mm-hmm. Uh, you know any employee that you know of that you know has been in any you know sort of potentially um, traumatic experience, they say that that most people or at least fifty percent of the population will have had some sort of traumatic experience at least once in their life and so just being very you know um, open questioning in a very um, general and safe way and and having the the you know the employee in mind in terms of um, being able to say to that person, you know what, uh, we're really happy to have you and we're, you know, we're very grateful for what you've done in terms of your service and we're really looking forward to, you know, having you join us and we really welcome you and we want you to know or I want you to know that, you know, I'm I'm here for you, you know, if you have any, any questions or any any challenges that may come up. Um, you know, just sort of being that person, um, that, that gentle sort of soul that can, um, you know, that can be there. And I would say that that's true of any employee, Uh, but also being mindful that perhaps this person, you know, if if certainly if they ask for it, if they need any sort of, you know, special accommodation, you know, to sort of be open, open to it. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, that, uh maybe they're having trouble sleeping at night and so maybe adjusting their work schedule you know to times that will work for them also uh, you know being mindful of the space and the structure of the you know the sort of the architecture of the office and and having them feel safe in that space but also i you know it's just very important to not um stigmatize uh, stigmatize them or make them feel like they're unusual or different, um, you know, for their experiences, you know, in a negative way. So I, I think that you know those are probably the most helpful things that that I can offer based on my own experience um, in working uh, with veterans in my clinical practice and as well as you know researching their experiences.
0: One of the things I hear so clearly in that answer is just. For all of us who are working alongside veterans and leading veterans in organizations, is not to be afraid. And I don't—I don't mean fear as in like physical safety, but I mean fear as in fear in engaging and fear and in building rapport and in asking about a person's service. And I know, um, just thinking about myself, I, there was a time that I was under the assumption that, well, I—I want to be respectful of a person's service, and maybe there's difficult things they want to talk about, so I'm just not going to ask anything about it. And what I'm hearing from you and, and what I've experienced myself in, in more recent years is most veterans do want to engage. They do want to talk about their experiences. And and yeah, there may be things they, they don't talk about, but us taking the time to ask and to show that care and concern like we would to anyone, um, it just strikes me so so vividly in your response, Eugenia, of, like our, our, of wow. the importance of all of us to do that. Am, am I hearing you right on that?
1: Yes, David. I think I think you said it better than I did. <laughs> you <laughs> okay. did beautifully. I, that's absolutely what I what I was intending to to say with my remarks.
0: Mm. And uh, one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on the show is is for all of us to have more empathy and more care for the veterans that we work alongside. E- e- even within the organization, we may not be leading veterans, but we may many of us. In fact, I'd say most of us are working alongside veterans, and. I don't always know how to navigate that well, or don't necessarily know how to engage, and so I'm. Um, this is really encouraging to me in that way that we can we can all have more empathy for the veterans that we work alongside with, and mm-hmm. uh, and and to that point on empathy, I'm wondering also, um, for organizations that do really care about um, investing in veterans and and hiring veterans, and there's uh and, and and there's so many great organizations who do this already, but I'm I'm wondering if how can an organization make opportunities more appealing for veterans who do want to really serve veterans well?
1: Well, one thing is to promote uh, what we call uh, in higher ed, uh, you know, veteran-friendly, a veteran-friendly environment. So when you think about in a workplace, you know, it looks like being able to accept their benefits, you know, whatever benefits they have when we think about it in terms of higher ed and i'm just i'm going to draw the parallel here what a veteran friendly institution might look like is that you know we're going to have policies and practices in place that you know um that will that will ensure to care for that veteran so if they have educational benefits coming in or if they are getting off of you know unemployment benefits or if they have other be- benefits from the VA encouraging them and making sure that they are Utilizing um their entitlements and 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 benefits uh rather than um, looking perhaps down at them for for uh for utilizing their benefits but instead encouraging them and and being able to talk about that um, as well and the other is you know being mindful of you know veteran sort of holidays and celebrating. You know celebrating days that are that are important or unique or, or or special, but that also entails having a conversation you know with with the veteran in terms of you know what what is meaningful for them and how can the um, you know employer make it a meaningful and welcoming experience for them, but just you know the little things that count you know uh, in terms of when Veterans Day comes around, you know, making a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, or Memorial Day or understanding that, um, you know, even for Memorial Day, understanding that it's not just a celebration, but it's, because oftentimes people think, oh, well, this is just, you know, it's another holiday where I can, you know, get the, get the, you know, three-day weekend and go out and party, but that there's meaning to that and that it's important to, uh, be able to be respectful of that and, and even asking the veteran, you know, how can we, um, how can we support you? You know, it's not an easy day for veterans. Uh, and so also being mindful of that, that, you know, some of these things that we call holidays are really, really to be thinking about, you know, how could, how, how can we support you? And And particularly if there's also anniversaries, uh, you know, some of our, you know, some of our service members have lost um, their buddy, you know, their buddies on the battlefield, and so, you know, being able to to be sensitive to that, you know, if if a veteran says, you know, I I can't come in tomorrow, I, I have a, you know, a special, uh, we're we're having a special memorial for one of my, you know, fallen comrades, uh, for the employer to be able to say, hey, you know what, you know, take 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 the day, take, take what you need. You know, this is really important. So that's, you know, in a way, what I mean by, you know, veteran friendly sort of policies. Um, you mm-hmm. would be surprised as to, um, how insensitive, or maybe you're not surprised, but how insensitive we can be in terms of what others, what other, you know, people's needs are or their vulnerabilities
0: indeed, indeed, and and we all have the capacity to be insensitive and certainly we all have been. and so uh, that's part of the reason I'm, I'm I'm really glad you're you're sharing this all with us and I, I I keep you know I hear the complexity of this this challenge. I mean, in some ways we could do a whole month of a series of episodes on this, of course. Um, and and I think that just goes back to the point you made earlier of, of the importance of engaging and asking and building rapport so that, as some of these things start to come to the surface and and that as you learn more about the people you work with and who who are in your organization you can start to do things that really do serve people well and I know I made that assumption very poorly uh, years ago. We have a um, organization I've worked with with Carnegie, where a community of practice has emerged around um, leadership and communication skills. And someone decided years ago it, when the meet, when the group met in November is rather than doing a normal meeting is to have a meeting be dedicated to veterans. And there are many veterans in the organization that we were partnered with and. Uh, That meeting ended up being, and still is, the best attended meeting every year. Sometimes three times the number of people would show up, and people were so grateful. The veterans who would show up were so grateful that someone was taking the time to really um, acknowledge the day and that there was conversation about Veterans Day and there would always be a Veterans Day speaker. And I was really surprised pleasantly of how, um, how valuable that was. And I, I have a greater appreciation of that now than I did. And I think there's, a, there's probably an opportunity in a lot of organizations to, um, to do more of that, like you were saying.
1: Absolutely.
0: If there was one thing that you wish every business owner or hiring manager knew about uh, as far as bringing veterans on their teams, what would it be?
1: Well, that they're going to be the, the most hardworking and the most loyal uh, employee that they'll ever have.
0: And how about for colleagues? I'm wondering what you'd want those of us to know who have a colleague that we work with who's in the workplace and is a veteran. Um, what what should we know that we may sometimes overlook or be insensitive to that you know we're not intending to be, but we just don't know?
1: Well, I, I think that the same same advice or the same few words of uh wisdom that I just that I just gave at least I like to think that they're wise um also applies to colleagues that they should know that um that this veteran once you you sort of get in with the veteran where the veteran can trust you um i mean you will have a colleague and a friend for life i mean that is the sort of um loyalty um and um sort of, uh, appreciation and respect that veterans bring, um, to an organization, to a unit that, you know, this person will be there, uh, will be there for you when you need them. They may not necessarily be very expressive emotionally, um, you know, to tell you how much they like you or love you or appreciate you. They may not necessarily, uh, be very wordy in terms of their sentiments, but, deep down, it's there and um, they will demonstrate it in terms of their actions. And so I think that that's really important for people to keep in mind.
0: I know one of the things you also advocate for is for those of us who would like to do more is that there's a lot of organizations out there, of course, that serve veterans. Um, for those who are wanting to maybe do that and take the step to to serve veterans through an organization. What's the best way to get started or to get involved or even to know what the organizations are out there that we could potentially help with?
1: Well, I'd be happy to um, compile a list of the few organizations, uh, various organizations that I know that work with veterans and support veterans, and, and some of them are veteran-run. And they're always looking for you know volunteers or looking for people to you know help out with their time or their resources or or whatever it is, you know, to help uh veterans. So I certainly can compile a list for you that you can share with your audience. And the first step is just to take the first step and that is to you know, reach out, you know, connect with a with uh, you know, uh, many of these organizations have websites and so uh making that first contact and just in- inquiring you know how can i help uh these are the things that i do and these are my resources and these are my skills uh what do you what do you need from me how can i help can i do and that's all and believe me people are more than happy to get such inquiries and would very much appreciate that I think um, it'll be a very um, rewarding experience, uh, not only for the veterans that would, you know, appreciate uh, whatever it is that you can do or give, but also for, for that person who's involved in the, in the doing and giving. It's just an extremely uh, rewarding experience uh, for everyone involved.
0: Well, thank you so much in advance for that list. I really appreciate you being willing to do that. And I absolutely will post it on the show notes for this episode. And of course, for those of you who get the weekly leadership guide, that list will be in this week's guide as well as a good starting point uh, for those of us who do want to do more and to, to reach out to serve veterans uh, outside the organization as well, too. Eugenia, I really appreciate your time, your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your perspective with us. I know that this is going to be really helpful to our audience as well.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Dave, for the opportunity. And um, also thank your audience for their, for their listening and for their patience. And if anybody has any questions, they can also uh, reach out to me.
0: Eugenia Weiss is the co-editor, as she mentioned, of uh, two books, The Civilian Lives of U.S. Veterans, Issues and Identities, and Supporting Veterans in Higher Education, a Primer for Administrators, Faculty, and Advisors. Thanks again, Eugenia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eugenia. And she wasn't kidding about sending over resources. I have a huge list from her to share with you of all the resources and organizations that support veterans, and in addition, a number of other books That'll be helpful to you if this is top of mind, either for you or in your organization. And the best way to get access to that is either to go to the show notes or you can just look in the weekly leadership guide because I'm going to be including all of those in this Wednesday's guide for those of you who already receive it. If you don't yet receive the weekly leadership guide, the best way to get access to it is to activate your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. Just go to coachingforleaders.com. You'll see right on the main page there. You can set up your free membership. You'll get the weekly leadership guides in addition to a bunch of other things uh, on the website that you can continually access. So uh, thanks again, Eugenia, for all of those resources. I really appreciate it. And I know it's going to help all of us to support our veterans even more successfully. And uh, an additional resource this week is something I mentioned on the very top of the show, and you may have heard about in my audio announcement over the weekend. I am going to be hosting a live free webinar this week at a number of days and times And the topic is when expert leaders act. Here's what they do. I am going to be reviewing seven strategies that will make you a better leader in 2017. Uh, All of the times and days are going to be live. I will be presenting the webinar personally. And I'm also going to be taking live questions about the Coaching for Leaders Academy applications that are opening tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow, Tuesday, Uh, The 17th, 2017, uh, the applications will be opening, and so I'll be answering live questions about that at the very end of the webinar. And there will be options to attend it on Wednesday the 18th, Thursday the 19th, and Saturday the 21st. 2017. And uh, regardless of where you are in the world, you will find a time that will work well for you. And that's uh, so we have a bunch of different options. And if you'd like to claim your free seat on one of those webinars this week, go over to coachingforleaders.com webinar, and you'll see all of the times and days available. All you need to do is just select the one that works for you. And I'll take it from there with getting you every piece of information you need. It's a one hour of your time that I think will help you to really be better and more effective as a leader in 2017. So again, go on over to coachingforleaders.com slash webinar. And on next week's episode, I am really thrilled to welcome Collins Oseame. He is the managing partner and senior consultant of ShelterCare FM Consult. Collins was recently featured during the opening keynote of the International Facility Management Association's conference in San Diego here in Southern California, and he is going to be teaching us how to prevail over your obstacles. I think you'll find his career journey inspiring and his message powerful in continuing to grow not only personally But professionally. So Collins, I'm looking forward to talking with you. And thank you this week to John Lockhorst and Mr. Matley for the very kind reviews you left on iTunes. Thank you so much to both of you. I'm grateful for it. If you've been listening to the show for a bit and it's been helpful to you, take a moment to rate or review the show on iTunes. You can go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes for that. And just a reminder, we do the monthly Q&A shows on the first Monday of every month. The next one's coming up early February. If you'd like to submit a question for the next Q&A show for Bonnie and I to tackle, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And I look forward to talking with many of you this week on the webinars. Have a great week. Take care.